Good morning. If you have your Bibles, I hope that you do. Would you turn with me to John chapter 20? A few moments ago, I neglected to welcome those who may be worshiping at home. We, this service is online, and so welcome to you folks at home. Happy Easter to you as well. John chapter 20, I'll be beginning in verse 1, reading through verse 18. On the first day of the week... Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she went running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. At that, Peter and the other disciple went out, heading for the tomb, the The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. That's a a funny note in there because many scholars believe that the one writing this, John, is the other disciple referring to himself as faster than Peter, and that's funny. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then, following him, Simon Peter also came, and he entered the tomb. And saw the linen cloths lying there. The the wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in in a separate place by itself. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first then also went in, saw, and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, she she stooped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you crying? Now, Remember to our story back in John 2 when Jesus turned the water into wine at the wedding at Cana and he referred to his mother this way, woman. It's a term of endearment. It is not derogatory. They said to her, woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Woman. Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you are seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you've you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. Turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. May God add God's blessing to the reading of God's word. 
It was a couple of weeks ago on a Monday night. Many of, many of you were actually here. We, we had a concert here. Doxology, a, a wonderful group, came in and they sang to us, but we really worshipped with us, invited us to worship with them. And then afterward, we, um, we had supper for them. They were a bunch of hungry graduate students, and I was hungry as well, so it worked out. And I realized sitting there how much, well, I, you know, sitting there with my chicken strips, my rather wonderful mac and cheese, Miss Debbie, green beans. Mac and cheese is a vegetable in the South, by the way, if you're not from here. Green beans, chocolate no-bake cookies. I had several of those. I realized how much I've missed gatherings like that. And my mind went back to my childhood, to the fellowship. We were in the fellowship hall that night. It went back to the fellowship hall at Mount Carmel Baptist Church, circa the 80s, cinder block walls, painted concrete floors, faux wood dividers that allowed for extra Sunday school rooms on Sunday morning. And a closet full of rectangular tables that we would set out to have meals. Now, I'm pretty sure those meals were rarely catered. Well, actually, they were catered. They were catered by the everyone bring one method, right? And more often than not, more often than we would have chosen, those gatherings were after we had just buried one of our saints. And in the picture in my mind... You know what I see? I see the serving tables. I see the countless casserole dishes. The KFC fried chicken. And I see Cindy. And Janeth. And Glenda. And Betty. And Patty. And Peggy. And Margaret. And Ann. And Sue. And many others. And I'm not saying, church, the men never helped. I'm just telling you they're not in my mental picture. Not behind the serving tables. Not in the kitchen. <laughs> I chuckle because I saw a great meme this week that was so true for, my, uh, for Leslie Ann and I. So we laughed about it. It said, behind every great man is the drawer that I'm trying to get into. Why are you in the kitchen right now? (laughs) Now, before I get into trouble, I I know that roles have shifted through the years. I do actually spend some time in the kitchen. But isn't it just so that women do a lot to take care of the things around death? The other gospel writers tell us that Mary had gone to the tomb to to care for Jesus' body. Y'all, she's up before the sun is. She beat Mr. Sunshine, as my five-year-old daughter would say. Now, maybe she's concerned about the lingering authorities and and what trouble there may be for her if she goes to care for Jesus' body. After all, they did just kill him. Now, maybe she's just sad and grieving and can't sleep very well, and she's already up. Whatever the case, when she arrives, she finds the stone 
is removed from the entrance. And Jesus' body is not there. So she runs to a couple of the disciples and she tells them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and, and we don't know where they've put him. You know, I'm not surprised that Mary was the one that found him. She was one of the few that were still there at the cross as Jesus died. And the disciples found her testimony trustworthy enough that they took off running for the tomb immediately after she told them. And you know what? They didn't find Jesus's body either. Instead, they found his clothes, his linens over here, his head covering over here, folded neatly. I heard a fascinating story this week about a, uh, a saint who passed away in a sister church of ours near here. She was a widow, lived alone, and she knew she was having what she thought was a heart attack. She knew something wasn't right. It was early in the morning. She got up. She made her bed. She lay back down on her bed, and she passed away. She did not want to be found without a kept house. Jesus' clothes were folded neatly. The disciples returned to the other disciples. But Mary, well, she was still there. And y'all, she was so sad. She's crying as she steps back into the tomb. And, it, and it's then that she is greeted by two angels. And you see, we know they're angels, we think, because... Well, as Matthew Wang, our Chinese congregation pastor, told us all this week as we gathered to talk about this text, which we do every week, the pastors of all of our campuses, and it's such a joy to do so. And he told us a fascinating tidbit I've never heard. The angels are angels. They're wearing white. There was no technology at the time to produce white clothing. And there they are wearing white. And God's angels sure do seem to show up just at the right time in our biblical stories, don't they? In our time of need, our time of anxiety, fear, despair. Not to mention angels being there helps us see that this body being missing, it, it, it's not man's doing. It's God's doing. And Mary gives them the same testimony she gave the disciples. They've, they've taken away my Lord and I don't know where to find him. And then someone else shows up and asks her the same question. And for whatever reason, maybe she, she can't see through her tears. Maybe Jesus is the absolute last person she expects to see at the tomb. So she doesn't recognize him immediately. She assumes he's the gardener. Maybe he's seen something. Maybe he knows, saw, you know, saw somebody taking him away. So in verse 15, he, she says to, to Jesus, who she doesn't recognize as Jesus yet, sir, if you've carried him away, tell, tell me where you've put him. And I'll take him away. And then Jesus, the gardener, the Lamb of God, the great wedding host, the bread of life, the good shepherd, the living water, the way the truth, the life. He finds it fit in this moment to let us all know that 
everything is now different. That the old is gone and that the new has come. That that God's kingdom is now here among us. Mary, he says. Mary. Remember how Jesus in chapter 10 told us that the sheep know their shepherd's voice. Even in the midst of all the other shepherd's voices, the sheep know their shepherd's voice. And just last week in Jesus's exchange with Pilate, Jesus tells Pilate, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Well, it's in this moment that it clicks and she cries out, teacher, and she cannot contain herself. She, if we read between the lines, it seems like she jumps in his arms. Y'all, she was just looking for his dead body. She's standing here talking to him now. She can't contain herself. And maybe she thinks quickly enough in the moment that she thinks I need to grab him because, because he may disappear as quickly as he appeared. But in this scene, I think Mary is showing us, she's giving testimony to Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. And this is what we've been looking at, John 14, 6, the last three weeks. Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth. And today on Resurrection Sunday, Jesus is the life. See, we first hear about Mary in Luke chapter 8. We find out she's a woman who has been healed of seven demons. And then we find out that she, having been healed, she travels with Jesus. She becomes part of his ministry group with the disciples and with Jesus. She's she's part of the group of women, actually, who helped finance Jesus's ministry. It's a fascinating introduction to Mary Magdalene. And then she doesn't show up again until the cross. But she's there as Jesus is dying. And then she's the first at the tomb. So I think we can deduce that she was rather close with Jesus and his work. She's dwelt with him. She's abided with him. She has remained with Jesus. She's stuck with him. And then his death, like it did for so many others, it did not cause Mary, seemingly, to say, well, here's just another would-be Messiah who has come and then has gone by the way of death. I guess it wasn't him. She did not fall prey to that. She believed he was truth. Well, what about Jesus being the life? Could Jesus also really be the giver of life? In this scene, Mary is asking everybody she can find, where is the Lord? They've taken away my Lord. Where is Jesus? I hear it today. We've we've talked so much in the last few weeks about all the people that are coming to Nashville. Probably some of you in this room, you've just gotten here. Welcome. Welcome. You may hear Nashvilleians say, we're not glad you're here. I am not saying that. We are glad that you're here. But there is a lot of you, and there has been a lot of you over the last few years. 
This place is changing. There are people all around us looking for Jesus. Now, maybe they don't know it yet. Maybe their questions are grander. They're more vague at this point. They're considering, what am I doing here? Not in Nashville, just here, the big here, life, world, purpose. What is life really about? Is, is there more out there? Well, perhaps they've already met Jesus at a time, and, 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 and now, for whatever reason, he seems so far away. Maybe it's someone following and being formed by Jesus in Ukraine this morning. There certainly is. Who is thinking, why is there war all around me? Where are you, Jesus? Maybe it's someone battling addiction this morning. Woke up saying, I cannot overcome this. Where are you, Jesus? Maybe it's mental illness, which it is for so many, either brought along by the pandemic or exacerbated by the pandemic. With their testimony this morning, I am so lonely. Where are you, Jesus? If you resonate with any of that, please hear me. Let me be, let me say first that your question or questions are legitimate. It doesn't make you a heretic. Shame on us, the church, if we've made you feel that way. Count me among you as one with questions as one who wonders at times, just where is Jesus? You know, sometimes victory does come in these circumstances, in these scenarios, and praise God when it does. And often in those times, the testimony we hear from the one who is brought out of the wreckage is this. I have found Jesus. I have found Jesus. It, it, it could be how we interpret Mary's response when she finally understands that she's talking with Jesus. She says, teacher. And perhaps she's thinking, I found you. I was asking everybody, where'd you go? And now I've found you. But church, may I let you in on the secret. The secret that is the good news of Easter. And I hope it doesn't stay a secret. Mary doesn't find Jesus. He finds her. Jesus is not lost, but we sure can be. How's the song go? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. 
was blind, but now I see. I did not love not being able to gather two years ago on April 12th, 2020. I was out jogging trying to beat a thunderstorm while worship was online. And I did not really enjoy not being able to gather for a few months thereafter. But those months were not without considerable fruit. We're going to enter into a time of uh, prayer for a few moments. And we... Yeah. We want as many people as possible until Jesus returns to have a testimony like April and Chris's. Like mine, like I hope yours is, like anyone who shares in Mary's experience at the tomb, I have seen the Lord because he's alive. So we talk about following Jesus here. Following and being formed by him. We talk about following and being formed by Jesus in a, in a way that allows for folks to be wherever they are on their journey. There is nowhere that you are supposed to be other than further along. Deeper in relationship with other believers and in turn Christ. To be someone who is following and being formed by Jesus does not require perfection from you. Jesus offers that. He loves you so much. And there's nothing that you can do to make him love you more or less. Take these next couple of moments to pray. There's no specific way to do that. So if you think you don't know how, you actually do. You can do it however you like. Talk to Jesus. Let him tell you he loves you. Let's pray.